Welcome to HIV Unmuted, the IAS International AIDS Society's podcast. I'm your host, Femi O.K. As we mark this World AIDS Day, HIV Unmuted puts the spotlight on a topic that is often overlooked, growing older with HIV. Thanks to the advances of medicine and science, we've come a long way since the 80s, when AIDS-related illnesses took too many lives too soon. With access to life-saving treatment and the right care, people living with HIV can now live to old age. This was unthinkable only 40 years ago. Yesterday, for the first time, I just passed 30 years since my diagnosis. For the first time, and I'll probably get emotional, um, I'm making a five-year plan. As people now grow older with HIV, it is becoming clear that they are facing a number of unique associated health issues. Globally, UNAIDS estimates that the number of people aged 50 years or older living with HIV increased from 5.6 million in 2015 to 9.4 million in 2022. With this number expected to rise significantly, we are in uncharted territory. Never before have we seen this number of people living with HIV for over 20, 30 or 40 years. Also to consider are the reported increases in people over the age of 50 who are newly acquiring HIV. Can the healthcare system really meet the needs of people growing older with HIV? Our guest, Rina Rajasuria, an expert in ageing with HIV, helps us answer this question and more. Later in the episode, Lillian Moreco, who has been living with HIV for over 20 years, tells us how we can put communities first to address this issue. But first we talk to Jules Levin, a 74-year-old who has been living with HIV for over 40 years. He's the founder and executive director of the National AIDS Treatment Advocacy Project. He tells us about being diagnosed with HIV and hepatitis C. I've had HIV for almost 40 years, and um, I can tell you it's been quite a journey. I think nobody expected us to be where we are today in terms of aging. I got HIV through IV drug use. When I found out I had HIV, I realized that I I might have hepatitis C as well. And so I got tested and found I had hepatitis C, and I immediately started looking into treatment. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Jules. Can you help us understand why growing older with HIV is such a challenge? People with HIV suffer immune depletion and it gets resurrected a little bit when you start your ART regimen, your HIV drug regimen, but it never goes back to normal. There's always some dysfunction, especially for people who started with lower CD4, and you never fully recover. And this appears to cause uh, a problem with, with people as they get past 50 and past 60, where people with HIV get a double hit from getting older and from HIV. And it seems to result in this accelerated or premature aging, where many of us are getting earlier onset comorbidities. Like I had a fracture and osteoporosis at 52. It's quite a burden for me. Um, People say, oh, you you sound fine, but it's not really true. I suffer with some, a little bit of depression, um, but some physical impairment 
and, and mental or cognitive impairment too. Right. Mental health is one of the issues that is so often overlooked. So based on your experience, do you think that the healthcare system is ready for people growing older with HIV? Now in the United States, our HIV healthcare system is not prepared and they're not providing the care for people that are currently older that have these problems. And they're certainly not prepared for what's coming in the near future. And it's the same thing globally. The healthcare system is just too constricted, designed uh, with a bottom line interest simply, uh, and it's becoming worse and worse. If the healthcare system is not ready, what can people growing older with HIV do? I would advise them to be cognizant of these potential outcomes. Engage in a discussion with your doctor about comorbidities like bone disease, heart disease, uh, mental function, physical function, diabetes, uh, uh, kidney disease, and make sure that you have an ongoing discussion with your doctor who does lab work with you all the time and try and understand all your lab work so you can follow yourself over the years. The one thing we know is that physical exercise and good diet can be preventative in all these uh, comorbidities. And so you have to take a a mode of prevention and uh, educating yourself and following your own condition through the years uh, and engage with your doctors about this. Thanks, Jules. Now we speak with Dr. Rina Rajasuria, who leads the program on translational immunology and HIV and aging at the Center of Excellence for Research and AIDS at the University of Malaya. Rina, how does HIV influence the aging process? So there are a number of specific factors which contribute to the process of aging. Uh, people living with HIV continue to experience this low level of immune activation or inflammation even while they're on treatment. And this tends to be higher in individuals who have prolonged periods of detectable virus or those who start treatment late. Second is our lifestyle lifestyles which may not favor the process of aging like increased smoking, um, alcohol intake and recreational drug use significantly contribute to a decline in health. Third is um, the HIV medication side effects that increase the risk of conditions like diabetes, high cholesterol and um, kidney disease. Now one last factor which we often overlook is the environment HIV disproportionately affects individuals who are marginalized and who may have limited access to basic housing, food and healthcare. They also experience increased stigma and discrimination which impacts social engagement and participation. All of these factors contribute and influence to how we age and our trajectory of aging. Earlier, Jules Levin shared with us his own complex health journey How do these health conditions impact people growing older with HIV? As people grow older with HIV, they are more susceptible to developing these comorbidities and acquiring infections. And this leads to them requiring more complex healthcare needs. And this may entail increased clinic visits uh, to different medical specialties and the need to take multiple medications. What we, something which we call as polypharmacy. And polypharmacy can lead to increased side effects and 
potentially harmful drug interactions. This also takes a toll on an individual's biological reserves or what we call as frailty. So frailty is a health state that involves the deterioration of multiple organ systems and this makes a person vulnerable to poor health outcomes. Someone who is frail will likely take a longer time to recover from even a relatively minor health problem like a urinary tract infection. And this is the reason why our HIV programs need to evolve so we can address these issues early. The healthcare systems are not ready for the growing number of people living with HIV who reach older age. So what should our healthcare systems be doing to prepare? Our health systems are not ready and in many settings, especially those in low-middle-income countries, HIV programs will struggle to deal with the increased complexities of care in a growing number of older people with HIV, as this requires additional medical specialties and resources to coordinate across multiple care providers. Now, HIV policy planning and program execution have tended to be siloed so discussions on how to integrate additional services as part of routine HIV care needs to happen now with primary care providers, with mental health specialists, allied health specialists and um, geriatricians as well. The care needs of older people with HIV become more complex and their support network will need to extend beyond the hospital system into the community. Now in many settings, Palliative and assisted living facilities are not part of the formal health system and these centres may not have policies or regulations in place to adequately deal with the sensitivities and the needs of people with HIV. So policymakers also need to look at strengthening community care infrastructure for older people so they can age in place with dignity. We've talked about the people living with HIV for many decades and the challenges they face, but I also wanted to speak to you about the increase in people over the age of 50 who are newly acquiring HIV. What is going on there? So there are uh, reports which have noted a steady increase in the number of um, HIV acquisition among individuals 50 years and older. But what is perhaps more concerning is that these individuals tend to present late to care. Now, there are a number of reasons which have contributed perhaps to this increase Worldwide, life expectancy in the general population has increased and older adults are uh, sexually active. However, condom use tends to be inconsistent in older adults and this has been attributed to issues like erectile dysfunction and people being beyond childbearing age. In the Malaysian setting, we have found very poor HIV-related knowledge in uh, older adults and many of those who acquired HIV at an older age did not even consider themselves to be at risk. HIV testing also tends to be lowest in older adults even when they present with symptoms because these symptoms tend to be attributed to age-related conditions. It sounds like there are a lot of interconnected drivers. What can be done to prevent HIV and other sexually transmitted infections in older people? Most of our campaigns on sexual health and HIV prevention are targeted to younger men who have sex with men and other key populations. And the language and medium of communication used often do not resonate with older adults. 
I will probably need a multi-pronged approach. Interventions must specifically target older adults. HIV self-testing also offers uh, more anonymity compared to facilities-based testing, which may be less desirable for older adults due to the perceived stigma and cultural conservativeness. So campaigns which promote HIV self-testing um, need to be optimized in the older population. And finally, HIV healthcare providers need to continue to engage with older adults about their sexual health and promote PrEP and other um, HIV prevention services among those at risk. On a more personal note, Rena, was there a moment that made you decide to specifically focus on ageing with HIV? Actually, there was at a conference. I presented the data on the burden of ageing and uh, someone from the community came up to the mic and said, Rena, what are you going to do about this? And that is the point where it hit me that, you know, it's not just about research. I guess that for me was the defining point where I realized that I needed to get out of the lab and start working in, in new areas, which I perhaps wasn't very trained in. But if I was going to make a difference, I, I had to do that. Rena and Jules are not the only ones who wanted to make a difference for people growing older with HIV. Our next guest, Lillian Moreco, is a passionate advocate and has been living with HIV for 25 years. Lillian, tell us about yourself and your journey with HIV. My name is uh, Lillian Moreco, living in Uganda. I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, I'm a housewife, I'm an advocate, I'm an activist an executive director of International Community of Women Living with HIV. I'm a woman living with HIV. About now, 24, 25 years I've been living with HIV. And uh, it has been a journey. And now finally we are here, we have access to universal treatment. We are talking about ending AIDS by 2030. But for us who've been there, it's been a journey that all this that we are seeing now wasn't there. We just struggled for every piece of everything that we are seeing now. And you can talk about treatment. You can talk about counseling, ending stigma and discrimination. You can talk about access to funding. All this we fought for as people living with HIV, as communities, as advocates and as activists. It is a journey that has been full of ups and downs, lots of struggles, but most importantly, lots of commitment by the communities to say, we must see another day. We must make sure that everybody has access. You talk about communities. What about communities of women living with HIV? Tell us about the specific issues women face when it comes to growing older with HIV. One of the key things that I think is also coming out as we talk about this is that uh, there is early menopause for, for women living with HIV, resulting from treatment. It affects their confidence. It affects their relationship. And then the second issue for women living with HIV is isolation. We are also hearing that uh, women are losing, you know, like their libido is, is low as a result of treatment. 
So what can be done to address these challenges that women growing older with HIV face? One of the things that uh, we need is to review our policies to make sure that we integrate key areas that concern people aging with HIV because most of the policies that uh, we currently have are specifically focusing on, uh, you know, like people within the reproductive age. We know that cervical cancer is affecting many women living with HIV, but if we are looking at only those who are within the reproductive age, we leave out a critical mass of women living with HIV who cannot get uh, the service, and yet they need it. We need to be helping this category of people to make sure that their sexual reproductive and health rights continue to be fully accessible and, and enjoyable as a way of even contributing to prevention. And what about more broadly? What do you think needs to change in general, not just for women aging with HIV, but for all people growing older with HIV? We need to look at integration of services and making sure that if people living with HIV get into the facility, they are able to have a full range of services, including for non-communicable diseases and counselling. Lastly but not least, there's a lot that we are going to probably experience in terms of mental health, dementia, disability, and therefore we need to be looking at a policy that looks at all these integrated areas. All of our guests on this episode have talked about the importance of mental health and isolation among older people living with HIV. How do we tackle this issue? I think that is one of the major key recommendations that we need to look at uh, this group of people that are aging and uh, because of where they live and uh, how we perceive older people, they may need to to be attended to by their peers. So we may now be thinking of creating peer support groups for older people living with HIV. Clearly, there is still a long way to go before we meet the needs of people growing older with HIV. Lillian, what is your message for the HIV response on this World AIDS Day? As we come to celebrate yet another World AIDS Day, as as people, as communities, as nations, we need to remember that everybody matters, every life matters. My call to action is let's place communities at the center. The communities should be telling us what needs to be done, how we are going to do it in terms of designing policies, programs, implementation, and that we should be listening to the communities. Communities must be enabled to play their role. But as we speak right now, key populations being criminalized, and yet we are saying communities leading. So how can communities be leading when they are discriminated against, when their human rights are violated, when they are criminalized, and when they are not able to access the services? So for me, Communities leading is that whatever programs, whatever policies, whatever laws we come up with must take into consideration the needs and priorities of communities. Short of that, it becomes just a statement.
How do we move from statements to action? On this World Age Day, the answer is clear. Put communities first. We have heard in this episode about the complex needs of people growing older with HIV. And as more and more people are aging with HIV, we need to act urgently. On this World AIDS Day, we will never forget those we have lost in the HIV response. And it is now our collective responsibility to prevent the neglect of people who are growing older with HIV. We will never truly address the issues of growing older with HIV until we put communities first. As Lillian said, Let's place communities at the center. There's nobody who's going to end AIDS unless communities themselves are the center. This World AIDS Day episode was made possible by the support of Gilead Sciences. Gilead has not participated in the development of the content of this episode. We thank Gilead Sciences for their support. I'm Femi Okay for the IAS International AIDS Society's podcast, HIV Unmuted. And you can't keep us quiet.